Welcome everyone to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. We are getting into the heart of the season. We had an awesome event that happened this past weekend in Fort Worth, Texas. And we have our big second national coming up this weekend. Lots of stuff to get into. Don't want to waste any time. Uh, super bummed I couldn't make it there with you guys. I uh, got like a summer cold or whatever. It's like 90 something degrees here. So it feels like summer. Uh, so unfortunately, wasn't able to make it, but uh, looked like it was a good time. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a. It was a great time. Um, the batch of celebrities we had were kind of the most, one of the more energetic groups, and and they were they all had a great time. It was it was a lot of fun, and um, it was it was quick. It was like almost refreshingly quick for an event. Like oh. even though it was a full day like Miami. I felt like Miami was three days for me. And this one felt like 12 hours. It was like, Oh, all right, do this in out. Good. Go home the next day. It was, just, I don't know. It was a, it was a cool vibe to Fort Worth. So um, we had a good time. Nice. Nice. Let's actually get into that. So we had that, that super hole with uh, a lot of great celebrities, AJ Sims and Hage, Hage, Paige Hathaway take the win there. Uh, so congratulations to them. I didn't get to watch it yet. Was Paige pretty good? She was, she boarded a lot. Like, okay. it, it, so she, she put everything on the board, but the, we just posted it on social media. The key to the entire thing was Jackson was the better player. I'll, I'll straight up say that. Right. But in round seven of 10, they, it was a close game, right? It was a one point game or whatever it was. And Paige hit an and one. I saw and that. The place went oh, bananas. It was like, a, I was I was asking Nick, I said, do you think that was intentional? And I was like, it was open board. So I doubt it was intentional. No, <laughs> I don't know. Unless it, it wasn't intentional, but like, it was still incredible. And she she went crazy. And that, that like, I think completely shell-shocked like Deb, Odom, and Jackson Olsen to the point where they like, they couldn't focus. I mean, it was... Exactly. For them to, we've never had. That's the first and one in the history of Super Bowl. Never before have we seen an and one in Super Bowl. So what a stat um, for her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she and she had a great time with it. It was so fun to to watch her experience that. But um, yeah, no, I mean, she was just she had she didn't um, she was kind of a knuckleballer, but it wasn't really a knuckleball to where the point like where some people they bunch it up. You don't really ha know how much it's going to rotate. It was like one of those things where. The way she threw it and the way she arced it, she was getting a consistent yes. backwards rotation the same every time. So it was actually pretty predictable. And because it didn't rotate side to side, it only flipped this way. Pretty much every time wherever she landed, it's it, it slid pretty much like it was a slide shot. So even though she wasn't spinning the bag, she had enough technique that it kind of kept everything on the board around the hole. And so she was, you know, she was, she was decent. Interesting. All right. Along with the super hole, we also had our shootout finals, men's singles. Chris Kingsbury took the win there. Women's singles, Lori Duell and doubles, Cody Henderson and Adam Hisner. Anthony, what a weekend for Cody Henderson. Yeah. Cody Henderson came back. Right. <clears throat> um, and we were talking about it on the broadcast. If you go back to 17, 18, he was a constant presence on the broadcast. He was the 2018 player of the year. He knocked down. He had a national win back in that time. 
with Adam. So, you know, he was constantly on the broadcast. And then the last couple of years, not much of anything, right? Cody's kind of been non-existent as far as that deep into the bracket, specifically on TV. So for him to come back out and go and get on TV in both singles and doubles kind of shocked me. I don't know. Where are you? What were your thoughts, Trey? I was kind of, I was surprised. I, I got to be honest. I was surprised that he pulled that off. What were your thoughts on that kind of double dip on TV, Trey? You know, I, I was I was surprised, but we did get a taste of this in Winter Haven. I mean, if you think back to Winter Haven, that was arguably number one or number two most loaded uh, opens that we've seen thus far. And remember, Cody made it all the way to the final eight of that. He won his bracket. Then goes on and I believe his I believe his only loss was to what Mark Richards or something like that and it was a close one so we got a little bit of a taste of that now I was still very very surprised but the game that Cody played all all day long was exactly what you want out of Cody Henderson in games that he, he won the mental game so much in games that he was throwing really well. He didn't really need to do much. He was putting a lot of bags in a hole. He had a high PPR, really excelled against certain players. And then if there was an instance in which he got down to somebody, that's when the chirping started. I mean, he talked his way into a win against Logan Chamberlain. He uh, He was down like 13 to five against Logan Chamberlain then even down four points going into the last round. And when he when when Logan was chirping back and it was going back and forth, Cody found that if I could get him to stop talking because of my play and me start throwing really well, that's when I win. And that's what happened. They were talk, talk, talk until Cody started getting some points. And towards the end in the last round, you couldn't hear Logan say anything. And Cody just knew if I kept building on top of this, just, and it wasn't personal, but it was more like, like I, I, you know, go get it. I'm going to win like the things that were meant to kind of throw off Chamberlain and it worked. And, and, and Cody scored four in the last round against Chamberlain to force overtime and then won the next round in overtime. So I couldn't believe the level of consistency that I saw all day long from Cody in both singles and in doubles. And he literally talked his way into a number of different wins. So he didn't get the sweep, but for him to go 50% on finals is, is still an incredible feat. And, and that's gotta be a win for, for everybody. Um, but Cody made a good point. He's like, if I get to this situation, he said this before the broadcast, I have got to take advantage because I said this two years ago. I said it four years ago, and it's still true today. As you sit here and talk to me from this point forward, it will never be this easy to to make a broadcast and to get a win. It will never be as easy in the future as it will be right now. So if I get this opportunity, I absolutely have to seize it. And it's a fantastic point because so many times, you know, we put our heads together and talk in this show about how, well, they'll be back. Oh, they'll get another one. Oh, they'll have another opportunity. And Cody knows better than most that sometimes the that's not the case. Sometimes it's really 
this is your last shot. You may never get back to that podium ever again. Yeah, I think you said it right. You said he willed himself to a win. Just so just his run through the uh, single. So his path, he gets Tubby Cobb in round one. Hunter Thorne, he's down. It's Hunter Thorne's to win in round two. And remember, this is one and done. So these players are coming all the way out here. Single elimination in his second game. He's done. It's done. Hunter Thorne had to make a lot of mistakes. And Cody had needed to make like a miracle shot. And both happened. He had this ridiculous collect left to right as a right-hander. We know how difficult that is. He hits the collect. I was like, he's done. He pulled it off. You know, he it's Cody. So he throws the bag. He's yelling at the bag as it's going across. And the bag did exactly what he told him to do. And then Hunter Thorne made a couple mistakes at the end. Pulled that one out at the end. He goes through a Nate Voyer in round three. Nate actually rattled off a couple decent wins for him. I'll give him that. He mentioned the Logan Chamberlain match. He was down. Came back from that one. And then had to get through Matthew Creek Killer um, uh, to get to the broadcast. And one of the things that kind of blew me away when he when he got that win, he yells out and he's like, I'm not even playing and I can win. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? So we're talking to him after. The guy hasn't thrown a bag since Corpus Christi. That was five weeks ago. So I'm sitting there going, how the hell does this guy come out of here? And that's why I was surprised, Trey, because it's like you see all these players, you know, you see him in regionals, locals, you know, all these other tournaments, you know, holding up number ones. So you're kind of keeping track of all this history nothing from Cody Henderson for him to come out and win both singles and doubles just kind of blew my mind, but he ends up playing Chris Kingsbury in the final. He was the number one seed coming out of rounders. Kingsbury is throwing really, really well. Look at his run. He goes through Adam Hisner round one. You got to pull Adam Hisner. We know Adam's kind of a, a bit of an expert in this format. He is a champ in the singles format gets through him, gets through uh, Jaime Sanchez, who also had a, a good win under his belt. I'll give another uh, credit to Jaime he goes through Ethan Walker, and then he pulls Mark Richards to get to the broadcast. He goes up 6-0 to zero on Mark Richards in the third round. He doesn't score a single point throughout the rest of the uh, game. So that's seven rounds of just holding Richards to less than six points. Richards made a run. He put up five, but it was Kingsbury that wheeled himself to a win there. And then you get to the finals. We were on the broadcast. Kingsbury came out cold. Those first three rounds, he was missing. Just for him, they were layup shots, things that he had been doing all day to get there. And then he flipped a switch. He got in his comfort zone. He went on six straight four-baggers in a row to win that. And Cody was right there with him. I mean, Cody was just making these tiny little mistakes. It was a really, really close game, but ultimately Kingsbury taking down that shootout number four. Um, so that game was interesting. That game was real interesting. Yeah, yeah I ended up hitting – go ahead, Michelle. I'm looking forward to watching it. That's all I was going to say. Yeah. He's uh, he hit 27 in a row uh, wow. in that, in that middle part of the game or second half of the game. So you're right. He started off shaky, but then didn't miss. Um, just, just could not miss for forever. The rest of the game really until they got to that last round and Cody was forcing a block like he, he needed to and put himself in position to come back. But 27 in a row is is not easy to do on a, on a broadcast court. Yeah, and that not, would have been his first broadcast, unless he squeaked in on a Teams event somewhere uh, already. I think that was his breakout TV broadcast. So maybe the first couple rounds, he was just trying to get used to what, what was going on around him. But then when he locked in, it was nasty, which kind of leads to the women's because we saw the same thing in women's. We had 18 pros out there competing. Lori Duell gets to the TV broadcast Here's her path. She's got a buy in round one as a number two seed, gets Fillingham, 
Odom, Kaylee Hunter. And then you have Elizabeth Tennyson, also her first broadcast. She comes in as a number five seed. She gets cup, big win against Cassidy in round two. And then she gets Pratt to get to the final. And that cup match, check this out. She was down seven to five. She scored a three. She scored three points in the last round to get through that. So she essentially could have come all the way out there. Cup was her first match. If she doesn't get those three points in the last round, she doesn't go all the way to TV. And and look at this. That loss for Cup. She throws a 10-6-7 and loses. So a Tennyson who's completely off radar. She comes in as a rookie, makes it all the way to the TV broadcast, throws a 10 seven five over 12 rounds that is elite level play i mean i'd seen the name tennyson a hundred times on paper but to actually see her run beautiful bag and she was super super comfortable on the broadcast so props to her and if you look at the at the uh if you break down the final this was interesting as well duel versus tennyson it came down to one bag that was the difference both ladies put 34 of 40 bags in the hole they were both one bag away from an 11-0 on TV. That one bag. Tennyson's one bag was on the floor. Duel's one bag was on the board. That was the difference in the match. One on the floor, one on the board. So close in that finals between them two. Interesting, though, because if Tennyson plays like that in the next shootout, she could steal a spot. Oh, yeah. And that's she crazy. Threw, she threw a 10-7 in the final and it's lost. Safe. Yes. I mean, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like she, and that's what I said when she came off. I, you know, I gave, I, I talked to her cause I wasn't on air. So I was just talking to her. I said, I know your initial reaction is you're going to be mad. You're going to be upset, blah, blah, blah. Totally. You'll have that. But I just want to say, if I had told you before you got on the broadcast that you throw a 10, seven, would you be happy with it? And she's like, not if I was going to lose, but <laughs> I was, but I said, good point. But I understand the fact that you're a rookie nobody pegs you to be where you are right now. And you throw a 10-7 on the broadcast. I know moral victories don't count for anything, but to me, that that was a big sign that like, Tennyson may be that next, that next female that's ready to join that next elite group. Because if she can throw like that, there's not many, there, I mean, there's not many people under that pressure. Can, anybody that can under pressure throw at that level, right? It's one thing to do it, in rounders it's another maybe to do it in round one but to do it on that broadcast court in that situation i was highly impressed with what i saw from tennyson agreed hey nicole pratt was right there you guys <laughs> my, my crazy was. call yeah so. it was uh it, it was it was I, I thought i even said i think i don't know if i said to Anthony or i said to wally i said I think Michelle took Nicole Pratt as her hot take. And I was like looking through and she, Nicole kept winning and winning and winning. And I was like, man, um, Michelle might be, uh, might be a genius over here. I was, I was really impressed by, by Nicole. So I've seen Nicole throw high tens and 11s. So that's why I was like, she can do it. It's just, can she do it under pressure? Anthony, you're muted. We can't hear you. I don't know. If you, that's <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Have you, you, have you, you heard me? Have you heard me yet? The show? Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay, yes, that's yes. good. That's good. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, speaking of hot takes, um, so in my hot take, just real quick on doubles. So Connell Hamilton was my hot take to come back, get some redemption, coming off of that shootout too, where they lost to Maudlin and Bubenheim. They looked good until they got to the final. They came out hot. They get dual Coy twenty-one four. Turpin Franklin 
We saw what they did at national number one. They get them 21 to three. So they actually get that one to 21. Lopez Richards, 13-5. So they're rolling in hot. They were down 8-0 to get to TV against Wooten and Kingfisher in round eight. I mean, to score nine points, because you got to get one more, to score nine points in four rounds is tough. They go on a 12, they get 12 points in those last four rounds. That's what gets them to TV. An eight spot. It was an eight, eight spot. spot. From Ooh. I think it was from Kingfisher, who looked really good. We talked, I talked a little bit about Kingfisher all the way back in like October, just seeing him what he did through the qualifier and getting to know his bag a little bit. The dude has a legit bag. I think he could be a force to reckon with, but gave up an eight. He was he was that close to TV with Wooten. And then on the other side of the bracket, we talked about Cody and Adam. They go through Zockline Halbert, Ruben Power, and a super close one to Burton Chamberlain. So there was that, remember that shit talking in singles. Now you run into him again in doubles. I don't think Chamberlain said much in that doubles he didn't match. Say, he didn't say a word. word. <laughs> he didn't say, and I remember during that match, Cody, Cody, a few times as he's getting ready to throw a bag, he looked over at Chamberlain. He's like, what, you don't want to talk now? I mean, it, <laughs> he just poured it Stop on. Playing. And I think, and I saw Chamberlain afterwards in the stands, like watching the broadcast. He looked like, he, you know, he looked like his dog just died. I mean, he was just the whole time, just head in his hand. I mean, he, you could tell it was eating him alive. Um, only other comment I'll make, I know we got to move on, but is a quick buy, single buy or sell for you, Anthony. Fisher Hamilton has a broadcast performance problem right now. I'm buying. We saw what happened uh, on the team's event. That one was really tough. And then he was the one that kind of choked. He kind of sold in the doubles match against uh, Bubenheim and Maudlin. And then he wasn't terrible. He wasn't too bad in the last one. I feel like he's improving, but it definitely wasn't the Hamilton that we we see getting to the team. Getting to he's team. not peaking. Like you got to peak on the broadcast. You got yeah, you got to right. hit your ceiling. <laughs> you can't. You can't. There's, be there's no doubt. There's no doubt that Fisher Hamilton is a top, what, five to eight player, 10 player in the world right now. If you, you know, depending on who you ask, but for him, you know, maybe not, but you get what I'm saying. Elite level player, but it's like, he's doing it all the way up until the broadcast, which is just worrying me just a hair. Just a hair. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We do have to move on. We have our big event coming up this weekend in Erie, Pennsylvania. And the first event is our Pro Devils that we're going to talk about. That's going to be on ACL Cornell TV at 2 p.m. Eastern on uh, Friday, May 19th. The final airs live on ESPN3 Saturday, May 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to quickly go through the brackets, uh, but we do cover them in more detail in ACL Live on Monday nights. But Trey, uh, quick thought on bracket A. What do you got? Yeah, bracket A, it's going to be your your top seed, your Logan uh, Logan Chamberlain and Justin Burton Jr. for pro doubles. Interesting to note, though, Jamie Graham and Matt Guy as the eighth seed are not only in the same bracket, they're in the same top left quadrant. So this is an opportunity for Graham and Guy, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, to make a statement against the rookies, Logan Chamberlain and Justin Burton Jr., that they still are the... That doesn't make sense saying out loud, but it's the truth. Graham and Guy, opportunity to kind of put their stamp on and say, hey, rookies, we're still the top dog. Absolutely. Anthony, what are your thoughts on A? 
Yeah, my thoughts are I like the right side better than the left side. I like the two seed better than the one seed. I'm Kano and Hamilton sitting there going, I like being the two seed here. One, they don't have to take the number one team coming out of the out of the PDC. We know that that could jack up brackets. They don't have Jamie Graham and Matt Guy in their third match. They don't have that. And they don't have Harbaugh and Morellis. Sorry, Ferreira and Johnson. <laughs> you get Harbaugh and Morellis coming in as a brand new team, basically zero points, so they get the bottom seed. I really like uh, the number two seed in the, in the right side way better. Hey, sneaky, yeah. sneaky, don't forget about Jack and Jake Gore down there in the bottom left-hand <laughs> corner of the bracket That's either. Also not a fun side. One seed. <laughs> not a fun side. All right, Trey, B, what do you got? So B bracket, number one seed goes to Jeremy Shermerhorn and Joe Neistat for the most part. Assuming, you know, if I get the Nate Boyer that I got in Fort Worth, we didn't talk about Nate Boyer, but Nate Boyer had a nice little run in Fort Worth. If that Nate Boyer pairs up with a top Josh Holland, that's a different story. But I do like the path for Shermerhorn and Neistat, at least on that left side of the bracket. Kingfisher and Soprenant, though, I think on that left side in the bottom section could give them a little bit of run. On the right side, Malone and Humans, Birchfield and Rawls, to me, flip a coin between those two, who the, who the favorite would be on that side. Anthony? Yeah, I agree with everything you say on the left side. Shermerhorn needs that in pretty good position. Who's going to really challenge them in, in the beginning in the top quadrant? You got a Labrador Williams... You mentioned Holland Voyer. I think that's going to be their biggest competition. If you look in the bottom of that left side, essentially who they would run into in the semis. Also, it looks pretty good for them. I mean, Soprenic Kingfisher, someone out of the, you know, West, maybe parent Valdivia show up. Sims and Sanchez, Sanchez showing improvement. Nothing scary, though. I think it's theirs to lose. And if we go over to the right side, again, sorry, Malone and William or uh, and humans, you get Bernaset and King. <laughs> <laughs> Another new partnership. That's unfortunate for them to pull Burnset and King uh, in the first match. Um, it, it's a it's a still a match they can win. It's still a match they can win, um, but it's, they're going to get a lot of resistance out of the beginning. You got down on the bottom. You got Birchfield Rawls uh, down in there as well, and then Wooten Thorn. So this is a little bit tougher bracket for me. Unfortunately, Humans and Malone with the number two seed. I think they have a tough tough run uh, to get to the finals. Moving on to bracket C. Yeah, Pro Double C, the top left quadrant is brutal. So when I talk about Ryan Smith and Ryan Wiedenfeld, I love that team, and I I, I feel bad for them about their path. They're going to have to play a, a team out of the PDC, which could be good or bad depending on how, how it comes out. But then they probably have to play Allen Rawls and Chris Kingsbury with how they've both been throwing recently. Yep. And then after that, they probably have to play Ryan Windsor and Alex Hicks, and that's just to get out of their quadrant. Just I mean, quadrant. that's that's not even that's not even talking about going through the whole thing. So odds would tell me that Wiedenfeld and Smith probably can't have the same level of success. Oh, by the way, if they win that, maybe the world champs down in the bottom left-hand corner, they got to play on their half of the bracket with Jay Rubin, Jordan Power. I'd much rather be on the right side of the bracket. To me, that's Philip Lopez and Mark Richards. My sneaky pick. For doubles, though, I do like Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb yes. Bass, and I think they could really come out and have a good good run here. Yeah, Anthony, what do you think? Only thing I can add to that, that was pretty much on point. I like your sneaky pick, Grindersleeve and Bats, and national number one. They were the undefeated team coming out of rounders, so they went completely through rounders undefeated. If they can redo that, we see them deep in the bracket again. 
Last one for doubles bracket D. Trey, start us off. Yeah, Turpin and Franklin are your number one seed here. I think they'll have a good run. They do have Foreman and Creek Killer kind of hanging around in that top left quadrant. To me, that's someone to look out for. Bottom left-hand section, though, you got Adam Hisner and Cody Henderson. We know what they just did. So my up my my outlook for them looks a lot more positive. And to be honest, if they threw like they threw last weekend, in my mind, this should be their side of the bracket on the left-hand side. You do have Guy and Davis down there that could play a little bit of, of uh, a ruining. But Zocline and Halbert, top right, we know how consistent they can be. Sometimes we get some up and down. My favorite team in this bracket – I love Tony Smith and Jacob Trzinski down there in the bottom right. I like both their path in the bottom right. I like getting some momentum to eventually play Zocline and Halbert in which your play style is going to favor, uh, is going to be in your favor. And then to finish it off in the finals, you're going to have to go through a battle-tested Hisner and Henderson or Turpin and Franklin. So I like to I like Smith and Trzinski here. All right, Anthony, anything to add there? Yeah, this is a winnable bracket. This I'm not going to say this is the easiest bracket, but just looking for uh, against Tony Smith and Trzinski, who's going to really challenge him in this bracket? I think that bottom quadrant, there's no reason they should lose in that bottom quadrant. That means they're going to run into either uh, Zockline and Halbert, or, I mean, can, a, can an Anderson and Jonas sneak out an upset against Zockline and Halbert? And if so, then you got Smith and Trzinski. I think they're a clear team coming out of the right side. And left side is looking good for Turpin and Franklin to make another run uh, at a national. The first one was unexpected. This one, not so unexpected. I like I like them to make a deep run here in bracket, bracket D. All right. Well, so we'll have to wait and see this weekend. Uh, next up, news around the league. We have the California State Championship. Our singles winner was Spencer Fabianar. Doubles, Ty Morris and Spencer Fabianar. Those guys were battling it out in everything they played in. Uh, so great wins for them. Indiana State Championship singles, Dan Glukuski, I think that's how we say that one. Doubles, Cole Brewer and Tony Mayball. And there's some new transactions for the Florida Freeze. Tanisha Lashley and Tony Hughes get added to the team. And Emery Parker and Draven Sneed are dropped. Uh, any quick thoughts on uh, the news around the league, Trey? Yeah, quick thoughts. Florida Freeze, Tanisha Lashley stuck out to me as one of those players that um, I think there was some, I hate to say, I think there's some female bias there that she wasn't already on a team. I think she's a really strong player. I think she's got a lot of high upside and uh, I think she can make that team better right out of the gate uh, by dropping, dropping Draven Sneed. Anthony, anything to add on any of the news around the league? Not much. A lot of names, a lot of new names there. I mean, you talk about a California state championship, Ty Morris, I recognize, never seen him play, but Who's Spencer? Uh, so I'd, I'd like to know who who was in that tournament. Was it on top of a shootout or was it on top of some big event where, you know, some of the big hitters didn't get in there? But congrats those are, to them either way. Those are probably our, some a couple of our best players in California, in Northern California, at least. I can't speak for Southern, obviously, but uh, in Northern California, those are our big hitters. How does Spencer measure up against a Labrador or a Parent or a Williams? He's a young kid, so you're just different play style. Or a Brunson. Do you think that he's yeah. better than those guys? Yeah. Uh, Brunson and him are right, you know, neck and neck. Oh, okay. I think, I think, you know, and same with Frisch, they're all right there around the same level. Oh, cool. Yeah, Morris and Spencer. Same and all style those. play. Yes, all young. Yep. Love it. So not super surprising for us, but I, like I said, I don't know what Southern California was bringing to the table. Right. All right, moving into our singles matches coming up this weekend. It's going to be on AC ACL Cornell TV at noon Eastern on Saturday, May 20th. The finals air live on ESPN3 Saturday, May 20th at 8 p.m. 
Uh, Anthony, why don't we have you start us off here for singles in bracket A? Okay, I'm just looking at this one live here. So this is going to be Justin Burton's Jr., obviously the number one seed, your reigning national champ. Um, if I'm looking even just at the top half, who's going to challenge him a little bit? We got a Carson Getty who's shown a lot of early talent. I think that he's going to be the biggest test uh, for Burton Jr., but you also got a Kano in there uh, in that one as well. I kind of like actually, and maybe I'm just being a little biased, I would love a Burton Jr., Gavin Cano battle for the top quadrant of that one. That one, that one would be awesome. The bottom side, same type of player. You got a Jacob Trzinski. So I'm, I'm feeling like just looking down the list, the favorites, in my opinion, in the whole left side are going to bring that dirty kind of roll style game, uh, a little bit more shot selection, a little bit more IQ, if you will. Yeah, I don't see anyone that's going to challenge Trzinski there in the in the bottom half. I'll just talk to the left side. You got anything in the right there, Trey? Yeah, um, only comment I was going to make is after looking through all this, you have Joe Nista in the top right. So as far as MVP candidates go, like I've, I've said before, he's number two on my ballot behind Justin Burton Jr. Nico Morella is also living here on the right side. Frank Maudlin, who has had some odd success against Justin Burton Jr. But to me, I think he hit the nail on the head, Anthony. To me, this feels like Justin Burton Jr.'s bracket to lose. And uh, if it's anybody that's going to get in his way, if I have to pick one person, I'll actually go with someone that's got a ton of experience playing with him in Gavin Cano. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Anthony, what about bracket B? Devin Harbaugh. This is his bracket in the in the top left. Um, Eddie Grindersleeve up there. I think he's going to be the, the biggest challenge for him in that that top eighth. I guess that would be your 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 quarter final if you will philip lopez just hasn't seen himself lately more in doubles i feel like he's doing better in singles than doubles but a little something weird going on in doubles he's going to be the top seed in the other eighth of that so to challenge him i actually like ryan windsor the most so that would be devin harball versus ryan windsor to get out of the top quadrant aj sims is going to be the highest seed in the bottom quadrant there fisher hamilton down there Maybe a Jimmy McGuffin gets hot. I, I like AJ Sims versus Fisher Hamilton. Devin Harbaugh versus versus uh, Fisher Hamilton to come out of the left side. I think Trey. Yeah, this is over the right. I love a Devin Harbaugh, but his path is shaping up to be top PDC player or or a PDC player, right? Eddie Grindersleeve, Eric Davis. Philip Lopez or Ryan Windsor, AJ Sims or Fisher Hamilton, and then Alex Rawls or or Cheyenne Bubenheim. I mean, that is brutal. I mean, absolute brutal. So if I look on this right-hand side, yeah, Alex Rawls, he's going to be the favorite. He play, I'll probably have to play his partner in the second game more than likely. Jimmy Humans is over there. Jay Rubin is over there. Cheyenne Bubenheim, I actually like her path, but she will run into Tony Smith eventually as it looks at it. This one seems a little bit more coin flip. I mean, I could go a bunch of different directions here, Anthony. Um, you know, ultimately, I really like how Tony Smith has been, been playing. He's been playing at a high level. So if he can get past Cheyenne, I, I kind of like the him anybody against in that bottom section. And then it's really just going to be about winning the close games. I agree with the left side being brutal. There's, I think Devin Harbaugh is so good right now. If it was any other player, I'd say left side is brutal. 
For some reason, I think he's going to make it all the way, win this bracket, and win the whole national easily. For some reason. <laughs> Something tells me he's going to roll this national all the way to the end. Wow. Little resistance. That's... Little resistance. I don't have him. I'm not. I got a hot take coming out. Um, I'm taking singles and doubles in my hot take, so I won't spoil it. But I do not have Harbaugh getting out of this bracket. He's not. He's coming with some big dad energy. Brand new dad, baby at home. <laughs> True. Let's go. All right, Anthony. Looking at bracket C. Bracket C. Allen's Allen Rawl. Allen Rawls's bracket. Let's get that right. Um, Man, is he throwing so good right now? You know, we've been saying Alex Rawls for so long, and then uh, we got Allen Rawls as a number one seed. He's going to have to get through a Ryan Smith or a Berkeley pair that was really, really hot recently. I mean, just based on consistency, you're going to have Allen Rawls getting through a Ryan Smith. His next matchup is going to be most likely, hey, you know what? Maybe we get something crazy out of that next quadrant. You got Ian Cripps. You've got Vargas, who's been throwing really well. You got Avery, you got Anderson. That that first little eighth, that little eighth piece is really open to anyone, I think, Trey. There's there's a lot of people that could challenge Rawls in that third match. Coming down a little bit further, you got Batson. Where is the West? Where is Brevin Valdivi? I'd like to see him make a good run. And I think this is a runnable section. He's gonna have a he's gonna have a burn a set early and then get through a Batson. Maybe, maybe Valdivia can make a run there. And in the bottom. That one's pretty clearly a Derek Holland to me. So I don't know. Left side, it's kind of shaping up for maybe for another Alan Rawls's run if he does it. Otherwise, I kind of like Ryan Smith. Or maybe we, you know what, Trey? I, I this left side. I say we're going to get a a sleeper coming out of this left side. I was Someone just about expect. to say. I was just about to say the left side is the most winnable side of all the singles brackets. As far as I don't really, I don't see anybody that's going to go through. And absolutely dominated. It could be Rawls again, but uh, I mean, it's it, it's it's anyone's game on that side. As we look to the right side, Mac Guy is your top seed. Kyle Malone, your next seed. I think these are a lot more brutal. You got Shibner and Guy in the very top quadrant. You have Henderson, Wooten um, in the second quadrant. Those are going to be your heavy hitters. You have Malone, Jack Gore, even oh, Mike gosh. Ferreira in the third. And then in the bottom one, you have Josh Holland and Alex Hicks. So there's a lot the left bigger side, names. Or the right side is jacked compared to the yeah, left side. It's a lot worse. So um, this is going to be one of those battle-tested sides, right? Whoever comes out of this side is going to have gone through the gauntlet in order to get there. So this one is uh, this one's going to be tough. Sounds real fun. All right, let's go into bracket D. Anthony, All right, bracket D, number one. So we got we got Jake Gore. Um, we saw what he did at national number one. Who's going to contest him if he's the same guy? First, he's going to have to go through a single. We don't know who's going to come out of the PDC. He's going to roll the first two matches. He's going to have to roll the first two matches. Nothing much really in the third match because we're talking singles. I mean, we've got a Derek King who's really successful in doubles. Maybe he squeaks out. I, I feel like it's kind of open between Thielen, Harvey, King, Cherney. I think it's Harvey or King, one of those guys coming out of there. But I think Gore has a pretty clear run to his to his fourth matchup where he's going to run into either Dylan Turpin. Dylan Turpin. I've been looking down that list and I'm going, that's Dylan Turpin. I like I like Gore versus Turpin to get to the um to get to the semifinal. Um if you're looking at the bottom, who's going to contest that? Man, how good has Logan Chamberlain been? Yeah. in singles and doubles honestly 
when he came out, when we were looking at the rookie of the years, it was like, all right, I, I could see Chamberlain. I see you. You won a bracket. You won an advanced bracket at Worlds. I see you maybe as the fourth or fifth best rookie. Maybe you're going to be like a 35 to 55 seed in singles. This dude's absolutely killing it and, and blowing me away in singles. Interesting grip. Interesting mechanic on how he's able to release the bag and still maintain that roll game. Very unique. It's almost balled up with the kind of up on the top corner. He's really surprising me, and I'm really impressed with Chamberlain. Jamie Graham, where are you at, Jamie Graham? He's going to be in the very bottom. What does Jamie Graham look like at national number two? If Jamie Graham doesn't make a run here at national number two, I think it's fair to say he's falling. He's falling down the list. I don't know what's going on there, but um, just kind of looking at the list, it's going to be Chamberlain versus Jamie Graham in the bottom in the bottom half of that one. And you also got a Kingfisher down there. Don't forget about that. All yep. right, Trey. What do you got back to Back-to-back back brackets in which I think the right side is disgusting. Um, Mark Richards, Chris Kingsbury in the top right of the bracket. They'll play each other in the second game more than likely. We go down, then we get Jeremy Shermerhorn, Ryan Wiedenfeld, and Jeremy Frazier, who has been absolutely on fire recently. There in our second section, on to the third. Hunter Thorne, Adam Hisner, and Tanner Halbert, and Alec Ryan, all within the same little small Yikes. section. And finally, we wrap it up with actually, and maybe if you take away this bottom section, really your top hitters here, Curtis Haddix, who made that really deep run, but it was kind of felt like that was him at his ceiling. Brett Guy is your sixth seed. A little bit more open here in the very bottom section, but overall, I think this is a, you know, it's a pretty tough right side. Richards may have his one of his toughest games in the second one if he ends up playing Chris Kingsbury. Yeah, I'm still holding on to, for some reason, I'm still holding on to Graham to really show up. We saw him come out this weekend for those that weren't able to see him. He's actually changed his throw. He actually has a maudlin step over now. Um, so is that good or bad? I mean, if you have a, you know, a, a top four or five player in the world coming in that's changing up their technique right now, I would say it's not good, but for me, Jamie Graham has tried. He's evolved his throw. He's done everything as a high IQ guy. I don't hate that he's changing his throw right now. So to me, coming out of national, we're either going to say, hey, Jamie Graham is back in the step over. The modeling step over is working, or we're going to say Jamie Graham is falling in the league right now. To quote Anthony Ione, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I, don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, I think you change your throw, you're changing and in back into the learning phase, you're out of automation, and I don't think that's ever a good idea. Right, All right, right. moving on to our uh, team's preview. We have two television broadcasts on Saturday, May 20th at 12.30 Eastern. It's going to be the Las Vegas High Rollers versus the Pennsylvania Ringers. Trey, thoughts on that match? Yeah, this is a battle of winless teams. <laughs> a battle of I defeated. Mean, <laughs> battle of defeated. I mean, you have the high rollers versus the ringers, and this is a battle of getting out of last place. Now, the road to get there, in my opinion, of winless are, are two different routes, right? The ringers, I felt like strategically, maybe they should make things, mix things up a little bit more, maybe spread out their talent, see if they can steal a couple wins. The high rollers, to me, have felt like just plain old bad luck. Mm -hmm. The high rollers are one of the highest PPR teams right now out of the entire division, and they're 0-4. It's not making a whole lot of sense. I mean, when you look at a four-team lineup, just win four games, 
and you're able to put Tanner Halbert, Cody Henderson, Hunter Thorne, Kobe Costanza, Allen Rawls, and Tice Cobb, Eric Zockline, Jay Dotson, you got to say to yourself, those should be four games in which I should be favored more often than not. Not to mention I get to add a Jeremiah Hector and a Carter Bennett, two players playing with a lot of upside. Danny Seals and Derek Singleton, who are veterans of the game. And then wrap things up, Vanessa Fillingham and Trey Baker. So to me, I think the high rollers are kind of the team to watch here. The ringers are kind of the hometown team if we're talking about, you know, playing in, in the state of Pennsylvania. But the ringers have chosen to load up two teams, right? If we look at their captains and then their first and second round picks, right? We get all four, we get four of those players on two teams. We get Jacob Foreman and Matthew Cree Killer. And then Justin Burton Jr. and Devin Harbaugh, my goodness. Jeez. Talk about outrageous. Most of the time I say that I would say that's awesome. You're going to get two wins, but are you doing it at the expense of the rest of your team? So I'm looking to I'm looking at that ringers team, telling myself, are we loading up the teams too much? Or we and, and and trying to just guarantee your wins and you're losing the rest, or is that the right call? Um, regardless, I think it's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be clawing, trying to get this first win. And if I have to pick a game that I'm most excited for, I probably got to pick game one. Tanner Halbert, Cody Henderson versus Matthew Cree Killer and Jacob Foreman. Agreed. Anthony, anything to add? Yeah, you mentioned it, the team defeated. And if you kind of look at overall wins, it's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, obviously the Rollers with an extra matchup, they have some extra games, but they've won 35% of their games. The Ringers have won 42% of your games. If you rank that amongst all, all the rest of the teams, they're kind of middle of the pack or just below middle, but dead last with, with, no, with, with an undefeated situation in teams. But if I kind of just went match by match, it's really, really close. Um, to me, that first game is a wash. You called it out. Halbert Henderson versus Creek Killer Foreman. I think that's a wash. Game two, a wash, in my opinion. Game three, we're clearly going to give that one to the Ringers with Burton Jr. and Harbaugh together. Game four, you got Hector Bennett and Hunt Edwards. Another wash, in my opinion. Game five goes the other way. I want to give that one to the Rollers, I think, or the High Rollers. I think Rawls and Cobb get that one. And then the last two, I think you split them. The Rollers win with Zockline Dotson. And the Ringers win with Altice Cobb. So this one's going to come down to the wire. It's going to probably be a 4-3 a four three matchup when it's said and done. Next up on Sunday, May 21st at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, Arizona Burn will take on the New England Woodchucks. Trey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is, this is an interesting one. You get one team in the Arizona Burn who has kind of stacked their team with a lot of players local to Arizona. And this feels like an Arizona-based team. On the other hand, you have a Woodchucks team that didn't do that, but they also picked some interesting selections when it came to the draft. And we talked about this, Anthony. We were very interested, for a lack of a better word, to see how, how some of these teams were selected and how these players ended up on this team. So this feels like another close one to me. Your heavy hitters on your burn are going to be Moses Sasswade and Corey Ballard. Derek Holland and Brandon Jones in games one and two. Doug Zaft and Bill Hadley going to be coming in in game four. And then Ty Lopez, Lopez and Jeff Reynolds in game seven. I find it interesting that they saved Lopez and Reynolds for game seven. You know, 
Hopefully you get all the way to seven. And if they can, I think that favors the burn. Over on the Woodchucks, teams I really like, Jacob Trzinski and Brent Smith. That's an example of really splitting up top talent or, or uh, with Trzinski getting Brent Smith, who has some high upside. Storm Hogue and Zach Shibner. Shibner's been throwing really, really well. If he continues to throw that way, it's going to make that second round pick even more justifiable on the behalf of Jimmy Humans. Jimmy Humans and Kyle Malone deciding to play together as a team. They line it up. They'll play in game six. So one instance of a top-level elite team here with the Woodchucks, Humans and Malone decide to stay together. If we go back to the other game, Zockline and Halbert both on the high rollers, not playing together. So um, just an interesting matchup. This one's, I think, another really close one. Both of those, I have both of these games, both these matches that we've talked about going actually a 4-3 split. So very evenly matched. Anthony, anything to add? Yeah, so on paper, you know, you got a 3-1 and one in the Burns against a 1-2 and two in the Woodchucks. This actually aligns really well with my grades at the beginning of the season. The 1-2 and two Woodchucks, I gave a C plus, And the 3-1 and one Burn, I gave a B. If you look at the win percentage, the burn has won 75% of their matches. That's third in the rankings. And you got the woodchucks down there at 42%. So on paper, Arizona burn should take this one. But then when I look at the matchups, I'm not necessarily so convinced. I feel like it's a lot closer than what it says on paper. I think that first game, it's going to be super close. But I like Zasueta and Ballard over Cherney and Pharrell. I think game two is a wash. It's going to come down to Jones and Smith. What do they do for their contributing partnership in that matchup? Game three is a wash to me. Game four is a wash to me. I think game five is close. I'm leaning towards the Woodchucks on this one with Lucas Jr. and Ballard. I think the Woodchucks game get game six and then a wash in seven. So when you lay that out, I think another four, three matchup. I think it's just going to come down to who gets that one, that one more win. Well, that would be the best for TV, so I'm rooting for it either way. It'll be fun. <laughs> uh, we also have our ACL Cornhole TV streams on Saturday, May 20th at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's going to be the Sliders versus the Woodchucks. Uh, also on Saturday at 9 a.m. is the Aviators versus the Ringers, the Colorado Timbers versus the Chicagoland Spinners, and then the Texas Bullybaggers versus the Virginia Cutters. Uh, Trey, any uh, thoughts on any of those matches that are going to be on Saturday? Yeah, we talk about winless getting on TV. It just happened to be where it is. But on the streams, you can catch a matchup of undefeated teams, the Colorado Timber versus the uh, Chicagoland Spinners. That's going to be an incredible one, all headlined by game one of that stream. Josh Holland and Frank Modlin against Mark Richards and Philip Lopez. So right out of the gate, it's going to be a fun one to watch. That's, that's who I'll be watching on Saturday morning. Anthony, any thoughts on any of those before we go into our hot takes? Colorado guy, uh, I'm, ex I'm excited where Colorado's at right now, and I actually graded them a B-plus to start, but they're actually doing better. I think that they're they're looking like an A team right now, so I'll be pulling full Co Colorado Timber. Shh, I'm, I'm pulling for Colorado. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we know. I won't we tell know. anybody. I'll tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you told everybody. It's okay. All right, Trey, you alluded to your hot take. Let's hear your single and double takes. I think I'm going relatively pretty spicy here. So okay. especially in singles in doubles, I kind of mentioned it that I liked the path of how people were going. I am taking doubles national champions, Tony Smith and Jacob Trzinski on the double side for singles. Ooh. I liked the path. I like the way this guy is playing. 
I am going 2023 Cornhole Mania singles champion, Dylan Turpin. Oh, oh, oh man, I love that. He's due. I love that. He is due. Anthony, hot take. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna call all my bracket winners out of doubles. I kind of really liked how those doubles brackets were looking at. Bracket A, I'm gonna go with Hamilton and Cano after a close fight with Harbaugh and Morellis. I think that one's gonna be a dog fight. Bracket B, I'm gonna take Birchfield and Rawls. Uh, a tough run through Wooten and Thorne, and then Malone Humans. I'm gonna go Birchfield Rawls. Bracket C, remember these are hot takes. Bracket C, I'm gonna go. This one's a, a little bit off for me. Um, from what I've been talking about in the past, but I'm kind of liking how Maudlin and Bubenheim are looking right now. Richards and Lopez are in the same side of the bracket, but I'll go again. I, it's something a little uncertain right now about that partnership, specifically Lopez, Maudlin, Bubenheim, and bracket D, Smith, Trzinski. We had three okay. out of four of the same. Bracket wow. C, you had different. I grindersly Batson. Love it. I still love that one. And my doubles take is going to be uh, Harbaugh Morales for the win. I love wow. that team. Love that New team. Partnership. New I partnership. New I partnership. I think they got it. I think those guys are are are, are uh, gonna make the win happen. All right, oh, that's cool. all we got time for. We will see you over in Erie, Pennsylvania, this coming weekend. See you all next time.